Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. So coaching trees on full display, and the one that's on display, well, last weekend and now moving forward, is the Mike Shanahan coaching tree. Outkick 360 rolls on. Chad, your take on the Shanahan influence, and not just through his son Kyle. Well, it's uh, it, it's funny because it does start with not just the coaching tree, but the actual family tree uh, with Mike Shanahan and and his son Kyle. Look, I think if there's there's a number of things on full display with the final four that we have in the NFL, but maybe at the top of the list is Kyle Shanahan's influence on three of these teams. Uh, when you look at what's happening uh, with with McVay and the Rams, with Kyle Shanahan, his son, and the 49ers, and with Zach Taylor and Cincinnati, uh, the well, outlaw the floor, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, sorry. Taylor never crossed over with Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. Sorry, but with, with LaFleur in the last round. And then the outliers, Andy Reid, uh, you know, who's sparked yeah. his own coaching tree of his own. I mean, he comes from the 49ers West Coast tree, but it, it's just interesting to think about the relationship these coaches have. And Hutton, you've joked before about everyone rushing out to get the next McVay. Once McVay got the Rams and Jared Goff to the Super Bowl, there was this rush to... It's almost it, it seemed like a joke because it's almost like they were hiring guys who look like McVay all over the place. Like get a young, good-looking guy that's got an offensive background and find someone that Sean McVay has touched. If you got and his coffee, he's hireable. Yes, and then that's the route to go. And that and, was the knock on Zach Taylor. He was his quarterback's coach. Yeah. And now you look around and you think, well, at least for one year, that's a pretty good way to go about hiring a coach. And so the tree is connected to Zach Taylor through McVay. Yes. But, but there is a connection with Kyle Shanahan and Zach Taylor, even though they don't know each other all that well. Um, so, so going back to the Shanahan tree, this all, come, all came about whenever there's Kyle Shanahan, uh, there is Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur together with Washington uh, whenever Mike Shanahan was the head coach there. And they were doing all kinds of things uh, behind the scenes for that staff. At 5 a.m. in the morning, breaking down tape, putting together practice sheets, the whole thing. Um, quality control coaches at best. And it's paid off to where you now see the influence across the NFL, and especially in the NFC. But then there's the crossover with Zach Taylor, which comes with the Houston Texans, because Mike Sherman was the offensive coordinator for a year. The year prior to that, which was 2006, he was the assistant head coach for Gary Kubiak. Mike Sherman is Zach Taylor's father-in-law. And Kyle Shanahan worked under Mike Sherman on offense. And when Mike Sherman took the Texas A&M job, Kyle Shanahan became the offensive coordinator of the Houston Texans. So that's the tie-in with Zach Taylor, who would always watch from afar what his father-in-law was doing with the Houston Texans and would see what Shanahan was doing after Sherman went to Texas A&M. I think based we can branch off of this discussion also, and I'll throw a big question to you guys that we'll have to have more time to get into. We always had more every day. <laughs> um, all things equal, hiring a coach for the next 10 years for your franchise. Which of these four do you hire? Because um, I think Andy Reid is number one, 
based on well, what he's done. Ten, maybe not for but ten years. But yes, the ten years may knock you out of Andy Reid. I just think let's, let's just think about it. Yeah, I, let's let that marinate, and yeah. then we That's can. That's a good topic. We I can further like discuss who you would take because I think it's one of those that when you know you get the right poll question, when it's evenly well, divided, I think you're gonna. It's not gonna be an overwhelming favorite as to who you would take. I've got one other tree point, and we'll make it a poll question also. I've we'll got one it. other tree point tying back to yesterday's news, Sean Payton, and I remember writing something about this back when I was at ESPN. Sean Payton doesn't have a coaching tree. He's out of the Parcells tree. Only guy spun off of him, I think, is Dennis Allen. Nobody. Think about that. That's hard to do with as much success as they've had in as long and as, as he long was as there. as long as he's had it. 15 years. Now, his coaching staff has stayed largely intact, I think. Coming up, some headlines. We've got the latest across the NFL and a big discussion on the playoff teams remaining. Now, kick 360 rolls on. In five minutes, a blind resume test. I love it. For two coaches. That's coming up in Now Out, Kick 360. Final hour is here. Glad you're with us from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Congratulations to Old Smoky Distillery. They have been uh, named the most visited distillery in the world Holy for 2021. Crap. That wow. is outstanding. Congratulations to everyone at Old Smoky and all the visitors uh, across, uh, they had four and a half million visitors to their distillery. Who's um, second? Some place in um, Scotland, I believe. That's amazing. That is incredible. Congrats to Old Smoky. We are we're thrilled to be here every day, and it seems like a lot of people. We're doing are our thrilled visit, to be here at least one day. Do we count as visitors? Oh, I, I'm sure. I, I'm sure we do. Old Smoky entertains more than twice as many guests as all of Scotland's distilleries combined. That wow. is crazy to think about. That's awesome. Um, so we got a smart Alec on uh, Twitter right now uh, who writes oh, in good. and says, uh, this is from Matt Wynn. says, all four of these coaches are out of the Bill Walsh tree. Pretty good coach for you people who don't know who Bill Walsh is. Yeah, I to which I responded. Bill Walsh? I responded and said, we know William who Bill Walsh? I said, please, Paul. I said, we know who Bill Walsh is. We are simply going a little more modern with Shanahan who coached for Walsh. If you'd prefer, we can just lump every coach into the Walter Camp tree. From here on out. <laughs> Very good. We can go all the way back and go to the cradle of coach and the first football coach who turned rugby into American football. If you'd like to continue to branch this thing out, we just went slightly more modern. But yes, the Outkick 360, fully aware of the history of American football, fully aware of Bill Walsh. I myself grew up a 49ers fan. I was a little yeah. bit young for Bill Walsh. I was really watching more at the end of Walsh, start of George Seifert. So, yes, fully aware of the great Bill Walsh, who was also a terrific boxer in his day. I've got a little, very small Bill Walsh story. When I first started on the Raiders beat, it was in Ventura, California, where they had training camps, um, which is a very pleasurable place for training camp because it was right on the Pacific with the breeze and everything. It's where the Cowboys go a lot now. Perfect, but not hot. Doesn't get you into... Uh, that kind of shape. And so Mike White was the coach and uh, I got uh, some alone time with Mike White, maybe five days into my time there. And the best nugget I came out with was that Bill Walsh would be visiting the next day. And I was, I was fired up that I was going to have this nugget in the next day's Oakland Tribune. And uh, my friend who was covering for uh, a competitor, competing paper this was a really good situation 
lot of competition, but we all became very good friends. Um, the next morning, who I saw at breakfast before we were able to see the clips, uh, also had time with Mike White that day and said to me, did you get the Bill Walsh nugget? So he got the nugget. But Everyone he was had it. No, just me and him, But he, because we had the solo time, but he was testing me to see how good I was to see if I got the, the one nugget that he thought was the best nugget that he got, and so we both got it. So there's two, there's two coaches that have uh, been – in the NFL headlines recently, over the last 48 hours or so, we'll say. Um, and maybe it, it goes back up much further than that. I shouldn't just pinpoint it down to the last two days. But here is Coach 1 and Coach 2 for just the blind resume comparison. And um, while we go through this, I'll, I'll give proper credit to uh, those that tweeted this out, which I, I, I found fascinating. Um, but so here's, here's Coach 1, and this is from Stephen Chia. On, on Twitter, uh, who put this out. Um, Coach won 15 seasons. His record's 152 and 89, so 63% of his games. Coach won has 10 winning seasons, a 9 and 8 record in the playoffs. He has one Super Bowl victory, and last year he won more than one playoff game. The last year he did that was 2009. So, solid resume. 15 years. Coach two, also 15 years in the NFL as a head coach. 143-92 and two. So coach one's 152, 152 wins. Coach two, 143 wins. 10 winning seasons, same as coach one. One game better uh, in the playoffs at 10 and nine. However, um, they've won one more game than they've lost in the postseason at a 10 and nine overall record, but 19 postseason games. One Super Bowl, just like Coach won. And the last year he won more than a, one playoff game was 2016. So, uh, uh, can I guess the coaches? Nearly seven years later. Can I guess the coaches? Oh, absolutely. Coach won. Coach won, Sean Payton. Yep. Coach two, Pete Carroll. No, not Pete Carroll. Mm. Coach two is Mike McCarthy. Wow. Who many think is uh, the next spot for Sean Payton. Same resume. Zoom in on that, please. Z- same resume. Uh, uh, practically, give or take a handful of games. Uh, again, Mike McCarthy, 143-92-2. wins 60, nearly 61% of his games. Sean Payton wins 63% well, of his games. Well, this, this is very good. Ten winning good. seasons, one Super Bowl. Here's, here's the difference, though. Uh, and This is terrific. Super Bowl also, terrific. by the way, one year apart. Payton br- won it, and then the next year, McCarthy won it with the Packers. Because here's many the think that McCarthy sucks. Well, McCarthy petered out at the end. He didn't adjust to the times. This is my personal feeling. Didn't adjust to the times. Um, and, and to be frank, I still think he didn't adjust to the times. What was the music that he was making a big deal out of during uh, Dallas training camp that we saw? I mean, he was not relating to the players in a modern way during hard knocks in what I watched before I turn it off. I wish I could remember, and maybe some people will tweet us. But he had some like game going on where he was playing music, and it well, was he's playing so Austin Powers clips. Austin Powers, his relation uh, thing to the to the Dallas was an Austin Powers themed thing that he had going on the video boards. I would guess that most of his players don't know who the hell Austin Powers is, and I would guess that Sean Payton is relating to his guys on their terms, not on his terms. And so, to me. That's something Hutton, while these numbers are a great comparison, 
that doesn't show up in the numbers and doesn't show up in what's happening going I just don't forward. think any of that stuff matters. I do. I think it matters. I, I don't think it matters at all. I think it's a little silly when I see coaches dancing to rap music with their team. Like, just you go to the coach's office and let the team sell. I know it's like more of a college thing for recruiting, but I see some of that stuff and I'm thinking – I'm fine with a coach being the adult in the room. Oh, I am too. And not having to connect on the same musical level and interest with their players and know every Just pop culture let me, reference. Let me clarify. I, I'm not going to that extreme. You don't, you don't have to dance in the locker room and stuff, but you, you have to. You don't to. need to come across goofy. No. To your point. Like, right. I, that came across to me as goofy yeah. and out Grandfatherly. of touch. You don't need to be that way. Yeah. Like talking to them like you're, you're their grandpa. Yeah. You're so out of touch. Like, Bill Belichick can just walk into a room and demand respect because he's Bill Belichick and he doesn't have to get into all the goofy stuff, but he's also not trying to get into all the goofy stuff. So when it's a, it's a bad attempt at getting into their world, that's when it comes across as out of touch. But see, even Bill Belichick, I prefer you either know it and you're just young and cool and you enjoy this stuff or you just stay out of it. Like I don't, I don't really get all excited when I see coaches dancing in the locker room with players after the game. Even Bill Belichick though, I think like, has a temperature hut where like he can joke with guys about what he doesn't know or if he stumbles into knowing something can make a joke about look what I know and have that McCarthy to me dated out I guess I mean uh, Sean Payton's getting a parade for stepping down for a couple of years while the going gets tough in New Orleans oh I think he should I, I, I mean I agree that that uh there's not enough mention being made of the, already, mess, the mess he's leaving. The behind. national reaction is, oh, can't wait to see Sean Payton take over someplace good again. You know, it's going to be Dallas. He's going to be the next guy. Well, the same resume is that currently the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I think here's a big distinction, though, Paul, to get back to what you're arguing right now. There's only one of these guys that everyone is saying, boy, he's going to be great on TV. And it's Sean Payton. That's a difference between the two oh, guys. Yeah. We didn't hear from Sean Payton. I'm not rooting for Sean Payton to get another NFL head coaching job the way he's leaving the Saints. I'm rooting for Sean Payton to be on television so I can enjoy Sean Payton calling games because I, I believe he's going to be really good. And no one's saying that about Mike McCarthy. No one's talking about Mike McCarthy's future on Football Night in America on NBC or on the Fox pregame show because no one believes Mike McCarthy's going to be good on television. That's not Mike McCarthy's fault. That's just the difference between the two. That's just the difference in perception, which is why I think, Hutton, it's a good exercise to throw the resumes up there, the blind resume of both coaches to show that, hey, once again, look, perception is not reality. The, the main difference is in real time, we're seeing a guy that just won. Like it, the, the, the most recent example is Peyton just won nine games with four different starting quarterbacks, and McCarthy ended the game in the postseason against – yeah, we're, we're seeing a completely different ending to how things went down, even though the Saints didn't make the postseason. What they were able to manage themselves through was was phenomenal, given their circumstances of injuries and, and COVID and everything else they had to go through. A bit of news, this from uh, The Athletic uh, out in Vegas. I had mentioned earlier in the show I that Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels was, uh, there was a rumor going around that he was putting together staff behind the scenes. That was because they had interviewed one of the executives, uh, Ziegler or Ziegler is his last name. Dave, yeah. Um, for New England. He's in their front office. He interviewed for the general manager's job, and now they're saying that if, if Ziegler was, or Ziegler was going to get that position, that McDaniels is extremely close with him, and that would be a great landing spot. 
he would have the authority to do what he wanted to as the head coach of the the Vegas Raiders. And uh, according to uh, the Athletic, that there he's no McDaniel's is no longer the favorite to be the next head coach of the Raiders because it doesn't appear as though they're going in the direction of this GM. of the general manager. Now, uh, further on in this story, um, it it says that uh, Colts assistant general manager Ed Dodds is interviewing today. This is very interesting. Before successful stops in Seattle and Indianapolis, Dodds got his start in the NFL as a player personnel intern for the Raiders in 2003 and worked in the personnel department through 2006. Brace yourself for this line. Late owner Al Davis liked him enough that Dodds was one of the few staffers Davis let in the weight room with him. And that carries a lot of weight 20 years later with Mark Davis. Now, I knew Al Davis just a touch, but I could totally picture like Al Davis having a serious screening process for who's allowed in the weight room when the white sweatsuit walks into the weight room. And this kid being an anointed one and now salad bowl haircut guy saying, you know what? My dad let this kid in when he lifted. And that's a big check mark for the GM job. Can you imagine explaining to someone, how did you get this GM job? And saying, well, I used to spot Al Davis <laughs> in the weight room when he had just a vicious bench press set going. I was when the one behind him spotting elbows, him. When it's pointy for some elbows. reason, I don't envision it being vicious. I think it was... Oh, yeah. Just I, the bar. I think of the Seinfeld, yeah. what was the family with Lloyd Bridges? Remember they oh, were all... the workout You guy. think you're tougher than me? You think you're stronger than always? Yeah, man. They kept trying to lift things, and they ended up in the hospital with back pain. <laughs> yeah. That was the Al Davis workout. That's in, that's a How great funny anecdote. Is that? that is a what terrific you think about detail there, from Victor Ford. No, I just wouldn't. First of all, when Al Davis in the weight room, it just made me think of Burns from The Simpsons in there <laughs> trying to lift weights, and it's it's just the bar, but they're cheering him on like he's setting some kind of world record. And please, Paul, please do not insult salad bowls the way you did in reference to. To Mark Davis, well, I thought hair. his head was a little bit bigger than a soup bowl, so I gave him, I upgraded him to salad. I for can't hunting. get past the haircut. <laughs> I'm hungry now. <laughs> like that is just a choice. Like it, he could he could fix the haircut. You can't fix the hair you were given or the lack of hair you were given. You could fix that haircut. <laughs> and there's some there's a mental hurdle I can't get over with Mark Davis's you haircut. Can't take him serious. That he elects to have that haircut. <laughs> he could easily if he said this is a all one big joke then maybe I'd understand it, but he actually thinks this is what looks good. It's not just and a cut, though. Him. It's like a cut and a color, because that's not that, that color not is not found in natural. nature. That's not found in nature. That, I don't know that that's a regular... A cut and a color. I don't think that's a color you're going to find in the rack at Walgreens either. Gosh. No, he's obviously... It's we, like his special it's, color? It's well documented how much he's paying to have his hair done. It's like $100 a cut. That's the Davis color. <laughs> Very expensive. <laughs> Dude, he lifted. He lifted with Al. <laughs> this guy's gold, Jerry. Gold. I mean, I don't Do know. Do you his... think he's like scarred for life now after seeing that? Is it so bad? And Al embarrassing probably for Davis wore that... a tank top for this. I'm guessing. Dressed like McAfee. <laughs> <laughs> he's standing the whole time. Lift, lifted, too. standing. Like he bench pressed standing. Honestly, it sounds like a little uh, uh, North Korean esque uh, rule. Yes. Where, uh, only people in here that I trust. That way, you don't. Uh, you know, give up the right, fact that it doesn't I, leak out. I do, in fact, uh, only have one birthday a year, and I, I do, in fact, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm just like you. I bench press only the bars. It's, yeah, it's very. I haven't set world records on anything. It's very Kim Jong Un of him. 
I also oh, could see him being like uh, Ron Ron Burgundy. When someone walks in the room, he just automatically goes 998, yeah. 999, <laughs> 1000. 1, I don't know if you heard, but I just did 1000 curls. <laughs> and it, it was it was was it Dodds or Dobbs? Dodds? Dodds. Ed Dodds. Dodds is the one who had to confirm Yes, Mr. Davis just did a thousand curls. Guinness, Guinness Book of World so Records you know walked in he's not right lying. during that count, and Dodd signed for it. Coming up, uh, we take a look back at the eight teams that advanced or made the divisional round, and there is a if we're doing a putting together a bio of every team. To me, the snapshot bio is vastly different from the teams that are currently playing and the teams that are not, and we'll, we'll get into that and, and discuss. Is this just you know? 2021, 22, or is this something that moving forward, the teams that aren't advancing to the AFC and NFC championship round, is this something that they have to address and look in the mirror and say, we need to be more like A, B, C, D. We'll, we'll get into that and discuss what's working and what's not working and why not. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Cruise all here today. Most visited distillery in the world. That's how Yep. Amazing. They got that news late last night. Bravo. Massive. And we are passing that news along. We're thrilled to be here. Um, so, uh, in an effort to just think about where teams are right now, the eight teams that made the division round, all very worthy. Two number one seeds fouled out, one and done in the postseason, to teams that came in hot and teams that are on the rise. San Francisco. Uh, they have surprised us with what they've done. Meanwhile, you've got Cincinnati who, uh, and San Fran's been in playoff mode too, but Cincinnati's doing things they haven't done in decades. And as they go into 1988 was last AFC championship game appearance. So in in thinking about how to describe each of these teams and what's different about them, besides just saying like, oh, the Titans run the ball and Cincinnati has Joe Burrow and the Rams went all in. If you're deciding like, okay, you've got 180 to 240 characters to describe an NFL team and the eight teams that are in, how would you go about doing it? And as I just started jotting down things that hit me, I realized it's actually a very different outlook, and it's not just based on playmakers. It's a mentality of the organizations. For instance, the Titans, I would describe them as uh, with toughness, bravado, physical, those are the catchphrase words. Um, they are their head coach. That's how I describe the Tennessee Titans. Um, I don't mean this in a bad way. Arrogant and confident. I think they go hand in hand, and what they do is, you know what's coming, try and stop it on both sides of the football. They want to play mistake-free, penalty-free, and and go about things a certain way and be consistent with it. It can be a bad thing. Um, yeah, it can be, and, and I think uh, we're, we're starting to see a bit of it. Um, your way is wrong, my way is right. And there, uh, there's a lot of coaches like that, but specifically the ones that want to win in the trenches. It's full steam ahead and here we go. And you know, their way starts on the ground and then comes the air attack. Um, and make no mistake about that, their identity is the run game. Um, they, the production didn't trail off when Henry got hurt because they're, that's how they're built. They're built up front to run the football. Cincinnati, meanwhile... In the middle of, of constructing a winner is, is the first thing I wrote down. They are overhauled. They have five players left from the first year when Zach Taylor took over to today. Five players remain on their active roster. Uh, they are young, athletic. They are hard to rattle. 
explosive offensively in a vastly different way than the way the Titans are. Uh, their head coach, I put down as relatable. Their head coach, uh, his temperature never rises. He seems like the very same dude. And Vrabel, too. I'm not comparing the two to Vrabel. I'm just going, you know, team by team. I think Vrabel's very consistent with how he is day-to-day, win or loss. On a Monday, I don't know if you could tell if he won or lost the game the previous day by some of the descriptions and how little he wants to talk about individual players and accomplishments. Uh, Kansas City, speed, creativity. Andy Reid doesn't have to be the smartest guy in the room. They allow their guys to play, and he trusts them enough to get out of their way in the biggest moment of the game and let the dudes just go get a first down and get into field goal range. Andy Reid's more concerned about calling the timeout than he is what Patrick Mahomes is going to do with Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill because he knows the quarterback is going to distribute the football to the guy who's open or where the mismatch is. And Kelsey is smart enough to know that the route he was going to run isn't going to work. So he's at the line of scrimmage changing the play and Mahomes is yelling, do it, do it. And credit to Tony Romo. Tony Romo drew the play as he hears Mahomes say, do it, do it. He drew exactly where... Uh, Kelsey was going to go. That's how I describe Kansas City. Free flow in the most elite way. Buffalo. Defensively strong, quarterback led. They are not the doormat, but they are on the doorstep. That's how I describe the Bills organization right now. They are close, but again, they're heartbreakers to their fan base and everyone that's followed the Bills year after year after year, decade after decade. Uh, They... Here's what I think they have going for them that won't change right now based on personnel. They can match your best game plan any week of the regular season based on what they have on offense and defense. Green Bay, I put down grinders with an uncertain future because they don't know about what's going on uh, with their guy, their MVP, Aaron Rodgers. They're not physical or tough enough, though, to battle in the trenches with a San Francisco, and that showed just by San Francisco not needing to score on offense or defense, and they won the game on special teams. Uh, there's just a different level there. They don't slam the door shut. It's very rare that you see Green Bay um, get up on a team and just never look back. Look at Cleveland on Christmas Day, for instance. Green Bay started scoring early, and the Browns stayed in it with Baker Mayfield as banged up as they were. Titans don't do that either, slam the door. But I'm thinking like, I agree with you. I'm thinking more of the lines of like Rodgers and Devontae. I think there's this this perception with the Lafleur offense that they're that they're Kansas City. Yeah, you know, and that it's just a different that. style. Uh, San Francisco is confusing to me. They they are the unexpected success story because of the quarterback situation. They told everybody what their intentions were by trading up and trading away future number one picks to go get Trey Lance, and then Garoppolo continues to win. And he's a win away from going to his and to Shanahan's second Super Bowl in three years as head coach and, and quarterback there. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. The, the reason why uh, they're the outlier for me in this whole group is they're looking for a fight. I think they're the most similar to the Titans of any team that currently continues to play. Um, Tampa Bay is the GOAT. The GOAT runs the team, and whenever he's not there, the team is rebuilding. And then the Rams are all in at all costs. Not hard to figure them out. They're star-studded. They opt out in the draft in exchange for talent now to go win now. And the head coach is the latest style trend of the NFL and continues to be. But he's, I, I think he's under some pressure to win with this group now. Not next year, but right now. 
What so the I think every team is described a bit different than the the one prior, but the guy the the teams that made it through are quarterback driven, and I think there's a trust factor with every every offense out there that they're going to make the play. Even with Garoppolo, I, I, there's there's a reason Shanahan is perfectly fine giving it back to Garoppolo with a bum thumb instead of turning it over to the guy that he endorsed as the future of the franchise. Those were all very good, I think. Um, and it'll be interesting if any of those – well, I mean, they're not going to change this weekend for the two losers. Um, though I, I think for the teams that went out this last weekend, they're altered a little, or or the faith in them is altered. So two little. of the losers this past weekend, though, are waiting on their quarterback to determine their outlook of the offseason, right? Yeah. Rodgers and Brady. And then you have – you've got the Titans who – or have lost faith. They're still they dazed. Not have lost they're faith, still dazed but. by the fact that they they weathered everything and then wasted it in one terrible moment or moments on offense. Right? Yeah, one terrible afternoon. And then the Bills. I mean, the Bills lose. Bills are fine. The Bills are just saying we didn't have the ball last. Yeah. That, that's that's what they're saying. And they they're likely also saying we've got to improve certain areas of our defense. And why were we playing this coverage against Kelsey on the outside with this clock management? Again, like I, they're not in the they're not looking around with whiplash the way the Titans are. They're no. they're the one team from the divisional round that I think needs to look in the mirror and realize the next level is what they see in the reflection. Yeah, they can they can also draft now. Probably not desperate. I don't know what their free agent situation is, and we'll have time to get into that. But they could probably continue to draft for what they see. You know, for for. For need or, you know, best on the board at, at times, you know, they got to evaluate things like they got a great set of safeties and yet they got beat on the back end at, at yeah. crucial times. Yep. Um, and so there's some tinkering to do there. But Chad, you, you sparked this because you brought up the, you're not winning with the back. Yeah. And that that's the glaring difference between how the Titans are built versus the others. Um, and I, I think if you're in, in the AFC and you watched Buffalo, Kansas City, You've got to have the quarterback that in the moment can step up and make the play. It does he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be Mahomes or Allen. He just can't be Ryan Tannehill on game day. Ryan Tannehill, he while he's not going to routinely win you the game, because that's not how the Titans are built. They're built through Henry. He cannot be the reason you lose games. And against some of the worst teams in the league, as good as the Titans were, they lost games because of Todd Downing and Ryan Tannehill. I was crushed back in week five for expecting them to go and go toe-to-toe with the Jets or you know, against Houston where they looked horrible and against Pittsburgh. And the common trend in all of it is the quarterback play was not consistent enough to advance. And it showed in the in the biggest moment. Yeah, and it's what I brought up yesterday is what did we learn from the divisional round that is just a truth now. And for me, it's that you can't go into an offensive plan basing it around one running back. Now, the maybe the outlier with this is one of the four teams still playing, and that's the 49ers who really can base their plan around Debo Samuel, who's kind of a running back and wide receiver. Yeah, but they have when a lot. When you do multiple things. But they, they did that, though, when Elijah Mitchell went down with yeah. the injury. They, well, and that's and my they point. Found you a, could they do found that a star in one, out of it. You could do that in one game or two games. Yeah. Debo Samuel may be the focal point of the offense based on the opponent, 
based on How game plan. Deployed. Kyle Shanahan's smart enough to know when to do that. They figured it out. My point is, it can't be in the offseason in camp when you're getting ready for the season. Hey, our offense runs through this one running back. That's not going to win you a Super Bowl in today's NFL. It's just simply not going to do it. You can be successful. The Titans have been very successful with that. Question that I have, though, with all of this, uh, you were bringing up sort of the mindset and what these teams are uh, from a DNA standpoint and, and their attitude and personality. What's the Rams' personality? We know the front office's an mindset team. is to go all in, but that's the one team when you're going through it, I'm thinking, I can kind of watch this team and, and feel what the personality is, but you're right, Hutton, it's... it's a bunch of disparate parts. Well, it's it, Odell, the Rams. Odell I don't really Beckham know Jr. one personality. Uh, Beckham described the team, I thought, perfectly in a, a sit-down interview. He said, when we're at practice, it feels like we're at the Pro Bowl. When you look around and you see all these dudes, offense, defense, you got Stafford over here, and, and he's like, we're, we're finally gelling together after a couple of weeks of figuring out what we're all going to do when we get together and put the, put the game plan together. I thought that was interesting because when you start to think about their mindset and mentality, they're not building through the draft. They're building through guys who have been there and proven that they're capable of playing on the biggest stage. And I think McVay fits in. That. Oh, yeah. He kind of has that Hollywood personality, the good looks. The I, I think they've got a vibe about them. You know what, though? The, I think the biggest key with them right now is Cam Akers. Cam Akers brings a little uh, piss and vinegar to their offense that they didn't have. Can't fumble. Well, they also they, they do a, a lot. You try to of tackle him. He's coming at the. I mean, he is. I mean, how many times is he open on a, on a wheel route, or is he split out and he's getting open deep too? Not just running the ball. Yeah. Uh, they can do a number of things with him. But the attitude part, I, I agree with Paul. He can't fumble in the crucial moments. But um, I mean, Stafford can't throw a pick in the crucial moments either. I, and I'll say this for Mike Vrabel: I don't think there is a team in the NFL that better mimics their coach's personality. Than Mike Vrabel, if if a if a team is their coach or the best teams are their coach's personality on the field, I feel like the Titans really match up with Mike Vrabel from that. Maybe more so than other coaches out there, but I also think, you know, the best coaches we're talking about year in year out, they can do a lot. They can they can morph into different things, and you have to be. It's able not to. It, it's adaptability. It's well, this guy went down, so now we're this. Or it's my quarterback sets the personality of the team based on the skill players that shine with that quarterback. It's not me. With Mike Vrabel, it's about him in terms of that team is Mike Vrabel cloned. And they did say so when Derrick Henry went I'm down. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We're not thing, changing our But it's identity. definitely no, him. He's not the problem When Derrick Henry no. went down, they said we're not changing who we are. But it's just interesting to me that Mike Vrabel, I believe, is going to win NFL Coach of the Year. So don't get me wrong. It's working. But it's different. What Mike Vrabel does from a personality standpoint and whatever he's doing in that locker room is infectious with that team where they play like Mike Vrabel and think like Mike Vrabel. When you go through Super Bowl winning coaches recently, I don't know how many teams you would say, well, this is, this is Andy Reid. Well, part this is of Bruce that, Ar- this is Bruce Arians' personality. Well, part of that is it's because Tom Brady, it, it translates, it's Patrick Mahomes. It translates so easily from Vrabel because he played. And he's not that far removed from playing, and he still has that player moxie, and he still gets his hands on players in practice. He's very translatable. 
Andy yeah. Reid, you, you can't you can't play like Andy Reid. Andy Reid's eating a cheeseburger. Right, but the, the the difference there is we have seen them reach the pinnacle and then get back. You know, the, in two thousand one, the the attitude wasn't Tom Brady. The storyline was Bill Belichick and what they did to get their first Super Bowl. And then it becomes about the players. The yeah. the you 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 describe your you know that that theme that each team has right. Uh, the chemistry, the the moxie with each group, uh, that builds to the star power because the guys that you have eventually step up and are forced in the biggest moments to either make a play or take a seat. And so the guys we're describing, Mahomes and Brady, and you know uh, it, through through the regular season, some big moments for a lot of quarterbacks. But in the postseason, quarterbacks either rise to the occasion or they play small, and. That's become the expectation now here. Big examples of both on uh, on Saturday and Sunday. I just don't think any Titans fan could reasonably have faith in Ryan Tannehill doing something great in a playoff run. No, there's Anymore. no uh, there's no reason. I mean, he's been given he's given you no reason three to years think of chances, and now you're saying, well, you know, you're sometimes hoping... sometimes a guy goes in first, and you say we don't know what to expect, but then you get to a point where you say, well, the biggest predictor of future performance is past performance and the past performance now is poor and the most recent performance is piss poor yep and that, I, you just can't run it back should, should run exactly how things went even i'm people can point to the injuries we we've seen this team play with the full arsenal yeah, regular season and what is happened. different and I, I i'm i'm throwing the coordinator in there too shouldn't ryan Tannehill be talking to the media yes when they're leaving he should have yeah it's a big disappointment yes he should and look, they'll say, look, it would have been a rehash of Saturday night, all that. Whatever the downside is, just do it. You, ten minutes, you create a whole different vibe. At least you stood up, you took it. You could spin a little positive. You could talk about what you're going to do this offseason. You could say, I'm hell-bent on, on, uh, on not turning the ball over next year. You give us forward-spinning quotes that then, uh, you know, are the ringing bell that goes into the offseason instead well, of the stuff I, I from Saturday it, night. That's right. This is something that jumps out to me about Ryan Tannehill. And, Paul, you tell me where I'm wrong because you're around him a lot or if I'm right. Um, it's one thing to not believe in the quarterback in the playoffs, which no Titans fan, no one that watches football should believe in Ryan Tannehill in a, a good playoff performance. I don't believe him. When he stands up after games, win or lose, I feel like I'm watching a robot that has been pre-recorded to say these right things about a win or a loss over and over. I can't recall a single moment where I feel like Ryan Tannehill is being completely honest. He's definitely somewhat programmed. I, 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 I don't believe I just don't believe anything that's coming out of his mouth. I, I look at his face and I hear the words coming out of his mouth and I don't buy it. And I, there are plenty of people in sports that I watch them and I believe them. Rick Barnes is a good example in the state of Tennessee as a coach. I, I've never doubted that he believes what he's saying at any point. He is going to tell you what he thinks, good or bad. I believe him. And he comes across in a way that he's not BSing when he that, speaks. That's a good Ryan contrast. Ryan Tannehill is the opposite of that's that. Good. That's a good contrast, but I'm I would, not I would him go player to player. I just don't believe him. But I would go player to player. Like, uh, Jeffrey Simmons isn't maybe as uh, – he's not as experienced. He's not been through as much. He's not as uh, as – good all the time is getting his point across 
But he's up there telling you what he feels. Yeah. Unequivocally. Kevin Byard is a great example of someone I believe. Yeah. When he speaks, I, be- I believe I'm hearing from Kevin Byard. I don't know who I'm hearing from. I feel like I'm watching an episode of Westworld yeah. when I watch Ryan Tannehill, and he's been programmed to say something as a robot. And even Lawan, who's got a bit of play actor in him, right? Ultimately, when he gets down to it, when you get to the root of what he's saying, he's giving you the real stuff. Uh, as, as particularly in a moment like that after the loss or when people ask him if he's going to be back, which we'll get into as we go. I, I get what you're saying about Tannehill. My thing with Tannehill is, I think virtually every good NFL quarterback, when they stink it up, really stands up and says, I sucked today. I got to be better than that. Because they know everybody else is going to have his back and say, that's not on Ryan. We've all got Ryan's back. We believe in Ryan, all of that stuff. McNair was quintessential at that. McNair would take blame for things that clearly weren't his fault because he knew the whole organization was rallied behind McNair. And Tannehill, to me, doesn't do that. He said, we doesn't do we a lot of we, 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 which is good team talk. Quarterback's got to say, I, 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 and let everything else be but cover for him. And I thought this season, we talked about it, Hutt, after those bad interception games, he didn't take enough account. I think the accountability's got to skyrocket on that playoff the media game. Didn't, the media didn't blame he, him. He didn't they blamed do, the poor wide receiver. He didn't, I'm sitting here he saying that enough. he was terrible. And people are saying, well, look who he's throwing to. Well, I think a lot of... Then we see what happened this past week. I mean, I I was on him, too. It was a bad season, and uh, he didn't take enough account. And he sure as hell didn't take enough account after this game, which is why he should have spoken again, given another chance two days later. Say it one time. It's cathartic. Let it be cathartic for you and let the people hear what they want, even if you don't believe it, which is wrong. I mean, there are some interceptions you could talk yourself out of. You can't talk yourself out of those three on Sunday. They're three... Bad throws. Stand up. Talk about the three bad throws. Get it out of your system. Let your fans hear it. Let your coaches hear it. Let your teammates hear it. And then spin forward on how you're going to fix it. I'm always going to compare the Titans not to the worst in the league. But when they're going for Super Bowls, I'm going to compare them to some of the best in the league. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you where Ryan Tannehill is the complete opposite of one of the best in the league. And the best situation right now moving forward. One of the two or three best situations for a franchise moving forward. This is OutKick 360. Big Poppy gets in on the first ballot. Bonds and Clemens on their final ballot. Left out. OutKick 360 rolls on. We've stopped caring about a lot of stuff in American sports. We don't care about college basketball, at least until now we've been talking about it. Baseball's sunken. Horse racing is a non-existent sport. Boxing used to be the biggest thing in America. Why can't we stop caring about the Hall of Fame? Because that's what we should do, right? I I was against the steroid-era guys up to a point, but now Bud Selig, who was the commissioner who oversaw this whole thing, he's in the Hall of Fame. So I think you got to represent the era and put these guys in, but I think we care too much. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's the era of the... Popularity. I mean, baseball I, hit a hit a new stride, hit a home run during the steroid era. I mean, uh, look, we can spend a lot of time on this at some point. Um, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens may not be very likable to baseball writers, but I'll tell you who's even less likable to everyone. Sanctimonious baseball writers who act like they didn't know what was going on in the time and they don't understand that most people 
were probably on some sort of PED. But they're at the also time. told to count it's this ridiculous. thing in their vote. I just uh, yeah, they're told that, to do it. That bothers me. Hey, real quick, I yep. teased this yep. about uh, someone. I still feel bad for the guy who didn't do it. Watching I his mean, peers who did do it yeah, going but, in, there's still a strain. Uh, you know, the guy, the guy who didn't do it and got to the Hall of Fame anyways was going to be great. Regardless, the guy who didn't do it is not in the Hall of Fame. Wasn't willing to do what it took. <laughs> Sorry, but that's probably what's true trouble. about that guy. Anyway, um, I, I, I digress. So Josh Allen, you want to te- hear about the opposite of Ryan Tannehill? And I point to Josh Allen because this is the best setup for a quarterback in city along with Patrick Mahomes because Josh Allen is Buffalo now, right? This is the type of personality that you want. Yep. I don't believe Ryan Tannehill. Here's what I believe. When Josh Allen loses 9-6 to six to Jacksonville, he comes out and says this. Credit to them. They came out and wanted it more than us. We had a lot of little things add up to big things. I put the ball in danger too often. Hit us in the butt. Played like beep. Bleep. Excuse my language, but it starts with me. We played like bleep. We're never going to hear that from Ryan no, Tannehill. Never heard anything. And like you know when we didn't hear that? Saturday when he night. should have spoken when his teammates were speaking after a disappointing loss when he could have opted to do that with reporters. Because he spoke he spoke Saturday, but not Monday. Correct. He's, but so did Bayard, Simmons, uh, you know, a whole bunch of the de- – uh, spoke both uh, A.J. Brown spoke both Yeah, the leaders. Did Carson Wentz speak on Hard Knocks when he was walking out with that goofy grin on his face? <laughs> did he stop and speak to reporters? I don't know. I – I feel like we would have seen the locker clean out Zoom with him, make the rounds. But they we didn't, didn't see that. They didn't show any media interaction on that clean out day. It was all team interacting. And then they just no, showed I, I Carson Wentz walking out. No, I'm saying I watched the clips of the actual press oh, okay. conferences. I, I regret not asking him more precisely. I did ask him about I, I did ask him about his failures. In hindsight, knowing I had one crack at him, I wish I asked something more pointed. Like, how much of this is on you? I, I wish I'd asked that question and seen what he said. Well, I don't think it's all on him. It's not all um, on him. How much, I want to know yeah, from him. And, um, a, a big issue uh, you guys know I have is with Todd Downing. Uh, we do, I too. I mean, the, 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 the storyline all season has been predictability with their offense, and that comes with that's not just them turning around and giving it to Henry when he's healthy. Hutton, you were saying third and McNichols in week three. <laughs> if I can pick up on tendencies, anybody I, I, can. I, I vividly remember this going into the Jets game. And they you were talking anything. about, oh, it's third and McNichols. You know exactly what's coming. It didn't change anything. They've got video, all, all kinds of clips out there throughout the entire season on you know bubble screens and two T- receivers to the left. They're going to bubble to the right. The Nick Westbrook that are acting like this solo is not, receiver. Yeah. The t- there are Titans fans now that are acting like this is some vast NFL films conspiracy. <laughs> that They were just talking about this randomly and, oh, they made it look bad where he got the pick after that. No, Hilton talked about it. They saw the play before. He almost picked it. They're talking about that RPO look where he goes quick and he's saying he's going to throw it out there again. And I I'm know gonna it. I'm going to pick it. He called his shot. Face the Same facts. Formation. It's pathetic. It's pathetic on Todd Downing, and it's pathetic on Ryan Tannehill to throw it out there. And we showed the screenshot of a wide-open A.J. Brown on the other side of the field with no one on him. Listen, everybody's been united on this. We talked yesterday about the media being united. Most of the fans are united. Don't be the guy who's an apologist for this dumb thing where they ran the same play twice. The first one got tipped. The second one got picked. 
Don't, don't be the one guy who's out there finding some rationale that this was okay. It wasn't okay. It was stupid. It backfired, and it's the reason they're not playing on Sunday. Even the, uh, I think even the, the, those who try to stay level-headed on it um, are just so out with both of them right now. And it's, it, I brought it up yesterday. Everyone agrees with it. It's not just like... Except for this guy. Except for Chad? No, no except for the guy the, he's I've reading. Got, the, it's not just oh, one on guy. It's, it's two or three guys that, that just, they see the video and they, they think, oh, well, they're just clipping something. We don't know when he said this. Yeah. This could have just been in pregame about, oh, the quarterback's going to throw the ball. Well, duh. Of course the quarterback <laughs> throws the ball. What, is this, what does this tell you? Guys, tomorrow, a uh, big show with Armando Salguero. He'll be on to uh, discuss NFL headlines as we go into the conference championship weekend. Trey Wallace will join us. And Tony Baselli also on the show. Looking forward to a fun Thursday. You can get ready for the NFL week with us. Outkick 360 daily here across the Outkick Network, 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern. Join us on Thursday for Outkick 360 and find the podcast wherever you download your podcasts. We're not going to block any boxes, and we're going to lock all our locks, and you should do the same.